You're listening to this week's edition of The Road. Sometimes the best thing you do is just ask for forgiveness and admit you're wrong. <laughs> if you understand that even in your mess ups and your sin, that God still loves you, boy, you'll keep the momentum going. You'll keep running the race. Does that make sense? At The Road, our vision is to raise up wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information on The Road, visit theroad.org. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. It's my pleasure to introduce my friend, uh, my brother, and also another uh, missionary and work that we support here at The Road. Uh, Victor Marks is going to join us tonight, and I'd like to bring, ask him to come up to the stage goes without an introduction, but I'm going to give you one anyways, brother, but uh, founder and president of All Things Possible, and he's going to be sharing on his most recent uh, work to the degree that he feels comfortable and can, uh, if you guys signed the waivers when you walked in and your background checks came through, then uh, we'll, we'll proceed and move forward with tonight's uh, message from Victor. Thank you, brother. Please give him a hand. Thank you so much. It's great to be here this evening, and thank God for missionaries that get out there and get it done. I, I mean, I appreciate y'all. I was asked to speak at a missionary conference a number of years ago. <laughs> now, maybe I was a little too honest. I said, well, I just remember thinking missionaries were people who couldn't get a real job. So churches had to send them out. <laughs> Some of you may have thought that too. The reality is, I think missionaries now, as I see them, are almost like our SF Christians that are willing to make sacrifices, give up luxuries, peace of mind, even safety, and go where very few like to go to advance the kingdom of God in unique ways that they're called to do. So I have the highest, utmost respect for people that, that leave and go, because Jesus actually said that, go. And uh, again, thank y'all for what you do, and I'm right in there with you. Well, I thought I'd give a little update. Tonight's a little different. I brought some pictures, and I never use pictures or slides, or I can't even make a PowerPoint. But uh, let's, let's take a look at some pictures I was trying to get together. We were in Iraq, Kurdistan, and then the next thing I knew, we were like running up on the Syrian border. You know, this last trip we took, we were committed to a very, very tight time schedule, meaning we had a delivery of lion and lambs that we were to go and get. And then we were also, the second part uh, was meeting with persecuted Christians that ISIS had run out and we were seeking to move them. So, timing wasn't an option. I mean, we had to go. Here's the unfortunate thing. We didn't have enough money to get our normal security detail together. Are y'all with me on that? <laughs> so, we prayed. I was like, honey. <laughs> and uh, she's like, let's go. So, we hit it. We took a very small team. Brother Chaz went. But he's Samoan, so it don't matter. He's a warrior, tribal. <laughs> Him and his wife, you know, missionaries to the Philippines for 25 years, and they have 26 kids. They went over there, had six children, and then adopted 20. 
there ain't nothing they're scared of. <laughs> nothing. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things we, we actually, you know, sometimes we've had gun trucks move us to and from locations because we tend to be pretty forefront where, you know, you can get wrapped up and your feelings hurt. And, uh, but, but this time I told him, I said, just get three Hiluxes. Let's do this movement with Jet. At least we have, you know, we can. So we really, we got, we rented these little trucks, and me and my wife were in one just cruising across Iraq. <laughs> She's like, uh, honey, you, were you supposed to make a turn back there? I'm like, just feel the presence of God, just drive. <laughs> She's wrapped up for covering. Uh, no, we had a great time. We had a great time. Although a point of contact there, a guy who was heavily involved in counterterrorism uh, unit, used to be, he was an Iraqi, he, and his cousin was supposed to be with us in a vehicle. He called him and said, so are you safely moving them? He goes, well, Victor wanted to drive and has his own vehicle. He's like, if anything happens to them, I... I, prom- I will cut you up at a hundred pieces. I will find you, cousin, and cut you up. I'm like, that's how y'all talk here. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll be okay. And we, we were. It was an amazing trip. And the reason why we went, again, was to deliver 10,000 little lions and lambs that many of you were part of and supporting and helping us. These are trauma tools. Because so many kids there, which you guys know, it's real world. And when you get run out of your city, when you lose relatives, when horrible things happen, look in the eyes of these two girls. You can see the effects. This is why we went. Thousands of kids, hundreds of thousands that need hope. This was one of the camps that we went to where we tried to do a controlled handing out. But the problem is we were only doing one section but the other sections found out it became so overwhelming that what you see right there was like triple of people trying to get to and through the fences. So much so, they're banging on the fences and we're lifting them up off their hinges. Kids were pulling the fence in the back so other kids could get through. I mean, it, it, was, it was nuts. And yet, we were able to go to multiple camps and deliver these little lion and lambs. And we call it, it's hope that you can hug. Now, there's a little boy with a little lion. And uh, most kids, they, they don't get a chance to have anything like this. That little, we call it a healing tool, actually has music from their culture, right? Their culture. What makes them feel good? Because you want to be culturally sensitive. Although we could probably put Michael Jackson music in there and they'd like it too. But, but it, it was something that they really, we spent a long time with a PhD in music who's a missionary in that region finding the correct music so to make a difference for them. And then also we end putting prayers in their language, in their dialect. So when they're in a tent at night and when the realities, because how many you know sometimes nighttime is when things get bad, when you, right? You were all busy during the day, but at night, ooh, and they're able to hold on to that, play it, and hear the prayers that come through of comfort and love and hope that God loves them. And, you know, it, it was amazing. 
Now that's what we're looking for. Smiles. Smiles that make a difference. And there's a beautiful little girl with a lamb. There you go. It's, uh, again, what most people say when they see these kids, especially Yazidi children, and Muslims, they're like, wow, they look like they could be our kids. And I go, well, they are. They're God's kids, right? Part of the human race. There's, there should be no less value in them than American kids. That's the truth. Uh, this is Eileen and I. Uh, Father Douglas, he has a, an IDP camp. It's probably the most well-run, one of the best ones we've seen. And Father Douglas, he's great. He's Catholic, though. I mean, he ain't Protestant, but we're working on him. <laughs> I love this guy. Father Douglas is so great. If you ever have time, you can Google him. Just Father Douglas in Iraq. And he actually got captured under Saddam Hussein's regime, and he was tortured. There's kids in here, so I'm trying to control my language or adjectives. Not my language. Not like I'm going to be swearing, you know, but <laughs> the content. But Father Douglas, they wrapped him in a chair, and they'd come in during the day, turn the music loud, because days when the most activity, right? And they would torture him. They'd take a ball-peen hammer and knock one tooth out at a time. Ping. Next day, ping. By the third day, the, the main guy, the main extremist says, why aren't you begging for your life? Why aren't you afraid to die? Why aren't you begging? And he goes, what? Well, he was even asking, why don't you scream? He goes, he goes, so if I scream, will y'all not knock my teeth out? <laughs> he goes, no, he still will. He goes, well, then I don't think streaming is not going to help. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, he's like, what? He said, other people we've tortured and killed, they're afraid to die. How come you aren't? And he goes, I'm very clear of when I die where I'll go to heaven. 100% sure because of the cross. And you know, that, that really is a, that's about the main breaking point, I can tell you, when, when religions who, you know, Muslims, they appreciate the Old Testament a lot. They like the Psalms, the pro, they, just, just in case you didn't know. There's actually, you can actually fellowship with them on stuff like that. But the cross tends to be the breaking point in Jewish people. Don't go there. That's all I'm going to say. Don't go there. But this guy's faith was so strong and impacted these guys in such a powerful way that at night, after a few days, the torturers would come in, shut the door, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to go. Shut the door, go in there, sit down with them and go, so Father, I, I've got problems at home. <laughs> Me and the wife, you know. And then he would counsel them. True story. From his mouth to my ears, from my heart to you. This is exactly what happened. And Father Douglas, he's funny. I said, how'd you learn to speak English? And he said, watching American movies. He goes, I love Robert De Niro. And he actually looks like Robert De Niro. I'm not kidding. You sound like. So uh, he runs a great camp. We hand out tons there. And uh, remember to pray for him because you'll remember that story. The tink and, and, 
I said, you know, does it bother you? He goes, no. He said, I just had to buy all new teeth, but it looked good now. <laughs> he has a great smile. <laughs> what else we got? I wish y'all could be there to see this because it would impact you a hundred times greater than a video, but it's real. These are real kids. Now, it was about 110 degrees that day, and most of those kids, they didn't even have shoes. And this was on Mount Sinjar. Do y'all remember the Mount Sinjar where people out of Sinjar had to flee because ISIS was attacking them? It was brutal. It was genocide. It was horrible what they were doing. Capturing girls, killing the men, all the horrible stuff. Well, these are the survivors of that living still on the top of Mount Sinjar. And they were without food and water. You might remember helicopters dropping. I'll tell you, when an American Christian shows up to just show them love, it's a pretty big witness. I had somebody on social media say, well, do you pray with them? you lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm all, no, not really. I'm just kind of a living epistle. I got a feeling that Jesus and the Holy Spirit kind of handle that part pretty good. We're not in a Western culture. I'm sensitive to the social needs. Another thing, too, is there have been groups, Christian groups that go in there and to give them food or water, they, they coerce them to pray to receive Jesus. And that's just wrong all the way around it where people are doggone, you know, putting notches in their belt. And guess what? Those people know it. I mean, let me put it this way. If one of your kids was in the hospital sick, bad sick, and someone came in to give them a teddy bear, beautiful music, encouraging prayers, but, you know, it really was total Islamic propaganda trying to, would you be offended? Yeah, you would. And I'll tell you, over there, they know you're a Christian because <laughs> you're out in the middle of nowhere. And like for us, at one point, we could see ISIS. I mean, okay, Chaz, we don't have this video, but it's funny. We're doing little videos. We were in Sinjar. My wife was with me, a couple other teammates. We went down into Sinjar, and we got to the front lines. I mean, the front, the front of the front where they're fighting. And uh, there was a berm, big dirt berm. You know, so I leaned against it. You know, those of you who know me, you know I ain't right in the head completely. <laughs> so I, I leaned back. I said, hey, Chaz, record me. So he's, he's recording like, hey, what's up right here? You know, ISIS is over there. The building's using. But we're actually not in any real imminent danger. Things are quiet. Things are safe. All of a sudden, pow! Around snaps off right by us. He's on the video. I'm like this. Go! Oh my gosh! Chaz jumped. The Samoan jumped, and then we're just we're dying laughing. Cause I just think, you know, I, it was more funny me because he actually would have got shot. He was a little bit higher taking the video. And then I had to pop pressure and rise up. <laughs> so it's amazing. I mean, here's the point. You go there, you enter their suffering with them. It's the biggest testimony when you say God loves you. 
I got a good friend, uh, and I hope he speaks here one day, Dave Eubanks, and we partner together, and Dave literally is crazier than me. Seriously. I mean, there are times I'm looking at him going, <laughs> my wrist meter may be broken. I don't think you got one installed, brother. I mean, I just... But he got in that bunker on the trip before us, and he was typing in right on the front line, and he just started weeping, because you get overwhelmed at times. The reality hits you of what, what's going on, and you get overwhelmed. And he started sobbing at his keyboard. And Dave's a rough, tough, high-risk missionary, I mean, like you can't imagine. And the commander of that area, a Yazidi fighter who's a hero and a legend, he comes into a bunker and he sees Dave weeping. And he looks at him like, what? And Dave goes, you know why I'm crying? Because I feel the pain of suffering of your people. And then this guy starts bawling. And he just kneeled down with him. He said, the world doesn't feel our pain. The world doesn't know we even exist. Our suffering is so great. Our girls have been captured. So it's real. What else we got here? All right. So the second part of our mission was to uh, reach and encourage and, and prep uh, families. This is a church that wasn't being used anymore, but a number of Christian families had fled ISIS and actually were living there. Those sheets, those, those are partitions so each family can live in there. That's where a whole family would live right there. Uh, pretty destitute thing. Now you look at that, and let me tell you, it would be equivalent if Colorado Springs was overrun by an extremist group, and then you had to go out to uh, Falcon or different places, Pueblo, and live in tents or abandoned buildings because, I mean, there's over a million people that had to flee. It's beyond what you can imagine, but I mean, businessmen who own grocery stores and, and were in oil, it's just normal people. And this is what's crazy, and I told y'all this, this probably about as, you know, well, the whole point of this message is Romans 8, 31. You know, that, that's a scripture that says, what shall we say to these? Th Do y'all know that one? Well, let's look it up, because I forgot it. <laughs> it's Romans 8, 31. I know it's a Bible verse. I got that much. It's not out of war and peace. It's the Bible. 831. If you got a Bible, just show me you there. Anybody there? Okay. We, we used to wait for all the pages to stop. Now it's all this. <laughs> so it's when they look up. Oh, they're there. Romans 831. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? When we start sharing about things we do and where we go and how I'm, I'll share a little bit more about this, people go, man, you're, you're crazy. I just had, I just was sitting down with somebody recently who, you know, they were in special operations world and, and been overseas a lot of times. They go, wait a minute, you mean two and a half weeks ago, you were in Iraq, you were in Sinjar. 
you traveled across how many hours? A total of like eight and a half hours by vehicle, multiple, and you didn't have security or weapons? I go, nope, we would have, but we didn't have the money. <laughs> and they're like, you're crazy. I go, I know. I always wanted to be William Wallace. Y'all like that movie? Yeah. Ah! But I'm not. I'm that Irish guy that comes up and protects him. He's like, the father told me. That's, who I, that's my hero. That's who I relate to. I'm telling you, when you know that God's on your side, when your life's not ruled by fear, and you really realize how much God loves you, doing things that some people might consider crazy it's okay. You actually get a peace. You get a joy because you're obeying God Almighty. God Almighty. If he says he's for you, nobody can get, be against you. Now, obviously, there are people against us. There are people that would wrap us up and, you know, do mean things to us. But it's like my wife says, she goes, honey, even if we're caught and captured and What's the worst thing that happened all after all the bad stuff? They kill us? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, we, we still win, don't we? Amen. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Amen. We actually believe it, that when we die, we're going to be in heaven. When you have that type of, I don't say worldview, but perspective of the truth that's in you that becomes real, really real, you become dangerous then. Do y'all believe me? Amen. If you're still timid, if you still let the enemy buffalo you, I'm not talking about always being, you know, I'm, not, I'm just talking about having that peace of God that whatever. You become very dangerous because the enemy can't manipulate you. Manipulate. Manip <laughs> Does that sound close enough? <laughs> I literally had somebody ask me one time afterwards, are you on medication or do you drink? <laughs> I'm like, well, sometimes both, as far as you know. <laughs> the gift of Cajun language. It's just like having Novocaine on your tongue. It's actually easier the way I talk than y'all. Y'all have to work really hard at enunciating. My tongue just kind of, whatever. So... The way we got introduced to this church on one of our prior trips, a few trips ago, because I've been there four times in a year and a half, was, and tell me if you don't, does it, who doesn't know this story that I, that I agreed to meet with a senior Islamic imam? Raise your hand if you don't know that story. Raise your hand if you do. Okay, so this is about half and half. So in the short story of it, a senior Islamic imam who has influence over about 300 million Muslims, agreed to meet with me. Why? Obviously, my IQ and extreme knowledge of Islam. <laughs> he... <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. It's because he did know of the work that we were doing among what he called his people. And he's like, you would come here and reach our kids? So he said I was an honorable person, but he called me a man of the book. And I said, well, all right, we, that's good. So they're like, well, why don't we, why don't we meet? So people arranged it. 
And I had a lot of Christians tell me, y'all not to, because we tried to do it in a third, you know, neutral country, but I had to go to Iraq to meet them. I was like, no, no, you go. And do you know sometimes Christians will be, they'll really be used as the enemy. Do you think that's possible? Now you got to be careful when some Christians come on you, yeah, let me pray for you. I'm like, I don't, not your prayers. I mean, you, you depress me, man, you know. Lord, if he's going to die, just let him die well. And it's like, man, whatever. <laughs> but, but this guy, okay, I'm going to get your attention with this. The only thing I ask is, you don't Twitter it, whatever. This senior Islamic leader had trained the senior leadership of ISIS. Oh, now you look up. Now it's got your attention. Huh? Yeah, that's what a lot of people said. That's what I was like. Who is he? So when I met with them, I had security. I had redundancies of security. I'm like, you know, where's that button? I hit it and people start coming in and spraying. I'm just low crawl out of here. <laughs> but you know what? When I met him, I looked at him, and I said, well, I'm going to just get it right on out. I said, sir, I don't know anything about Islam. I know that Sunni and she is, but do you want to cut my head off? <laughs> you think I'm joking? My first line. You just see my security guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This was a bad idea. And then my interpreter was like this. I could see his mind. He was going to say something like, blessed be Allah and your family. I was, like, I was like, oh boy, I got other people. You tell him what I just, he's like, so he told him. And this guy looked at me. It was like the most awkward moment. And he just goes, a big smile came across his face. I was like, oh, what the heck is this? I mean, I really did think about bringing like an orthopedic collar. I was like, no, what you going to do? No, I, he, he leaned back and he goes, no. I said, oh, okay, I just want to ask because most of us Christians in America, that's pretty much what we think. Amen? And he goes, actually, even though he had that relationship and trained them in Islamic law at the university level, and sign their PhDs, and he's their Yoda. He told me, yeah, <laughs> Star Wars people, he told me, Victor, they took a horrible turn. They're not representative of true, traditional, moderate Islam. They're evil, and what they're doing is evil. And I'm like, well, I didn't see that coming. And then he went on to explain, really expound on their scriptures, talking about what they've done is twisted everything. <laughs> so here I am talking to one of the most respected expositors of the Quran, of their tradition, and, and believe you me, he's telling me what they're saying, what they're doing is wrong. I'm looking around going, oh my gosh. We need you out there talking. We need you telling, I said, 
why aren't you imams out there talking them down? He goes, oh, they kill us. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then, you know, I actually gave him a Bible. I brought a Bible. I was like, here. It's a big Bible. He's like, thank you. And he was genuinely thankful. And, uh, and some other stuff. But it was him through that relationship, me trusting God to listen to God's spirit and then obey what God told me to do. Because, you know, this is when it got really crazy. I, I mentioned in passing, I had never even been to a mosque. I'm trying to dequalify myself. He goes, would you like to go to one? I was like, sure. He goes, let's go to prayer tonight. I was like, that sounds great. My security guys are going, no, 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 Iraq at night at a mosque. No, we know. I was like, I think it's the Lord. <laughs> it's the Lord's chips. He goes. And we went. And you should see one of my, one of my security guys. He's with me in that mosque, and they're doing it. I mean, these guys are full-blown going for it. And my security guy, he's starting to twitch. I'm like, hey, man, you all right? He goes, last time I was in a mosque, I was throwing hand grenades and shooting lots of bad people. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'm, you need to watch the new film coming out triggered. I said, well, this time we got to use different weapons. We use prayer. And that guy's a Christian, man. He started pleading the blood of Jesus, called him down warring angels. I mean, he went for it. He did everything but speaking tongues. I was like, you go, man. Just because actually prayer works. Amen. What are you going to do when you're in a situation like that? I don't care if we were all strapped up. We're not going to be able to get away. Do you understand? That's why when I ask for prayer, I really mean it. I'm like, hey, hey, please pray. If God is for us, who can be against us? Because of that act of obedience and trust, that imam actually brought us to the church you saw and showed us these persecuted Christians and said, can you help them? Because I can't. Who would have thought it? Not a trap, not a setup. It's the power of God. God. That's pretty good, you guys. From there... From there, we started the Persecuted Christian Fund, and just here last week, we moved the first wave of persecuted Christians out of that church into a different country, and they've got nice apartment. They, I mean, it's nice, and they are set. We're going to help. They have UN, uh, through the UN, they have refugee status for the first time because they're IDPs, and guess what? How about their prayers being answered? And do you know the first thing I encouraged them, all those Christians, I said, hey, y'all didn't even know we were coming. They were like, no. I go, this imam brought us. They're like, oh my gosh. I said, obviously God heard your prayers. He heard your cries. Because here we are. It was, it was, they were like, who, who are y'all? I said, well, we're Christians from America. <laughs> I mean, it was just, they, uh, they're like, what in the, what is going on? And why, why is he here? I said, well, he brought us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's because of that, we were able to rescue, resettle, move, 
You think they got hope? You think they're faith? But you know, the first thing I told them when we prayed, I said, hey, y'all need to forgive ISIS for what they've done to y'all. How's that for an opening message? They looked at me like, we are in the Middle East. We can stone you. <laughs> like, easy. I said, you need to forgive them, not for them, but for you. Forgiveness is giving up your right to hurt them back, to hold that hatred toward them, because all it's going to do is make you hard and bitter, and God's love won't be able to get in there and help you. And they were looking at me like, ah. I said, now look, if, if a little band of bad people came in here right now, we, we'd, uh, we'd hurt their feelings. We would not let them hurt y'all. And they were like, oh, we like this type of Christianity. <laughs> I said, you know, uh, right? Because that's, would you, would you defend your family if somebody came in? What, yeah, yeah, okay. So over there, they don't really understand the concept of forgiveness while actually protecting and, you know, and it was really great for them. So there's a bunch more Christians. There's, we're doing more waves of them, and there's another church because word is out. So do you think bad people want us doing this? Do you think bad people know? Yeah, yeah, every, and believe me. So that's why what we do requires really lots of prayer and high sophistication and security, cybersecurity, physical security. Do you understand? Or else, or else bad things can happen, really bad things. So that's the persecuted Christians, and uh, we're right in the middle of that right now. So before I close in, in the scripture, we're going to go, we're going to end in 1 John. It's a hard book to find. I'm not going to kid y'all. I had to use my little cheater markers. If I had to look for it, it would be like 10. This is the best I can say. Here's the Bible. This is most of the Bible. This is what's left. And 1 John's right in there right in that part. So, 1 John. But what I want to share with y'all is an update. 1 John 4.15. 1 John 4.15. Well, for time's sake, move to 18 real quick. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Let me just say this, that I meet a lot of Christians around the country, now around the world. You know, one of the biggest things I would say I'd encourage y'all is to know how much God loves you personally. That how much God loves you personally. I know you know you're a sinner. I know you know you blow it. I know, you know, you don't want nobody grading you on your dad card or wife card or husband card. I fussed with my family. At my family this past, I don't know, a week or whatever. It got hard. I ended up on the couch one night. <laughs> she didn't make me, but I went there. I thought, I put myself in timeout. I was like, man, I'm, uh, man, I'm, I'm miserable. I better sleep on this couch. A combination of things, exhaustion, processing, 
our trip, stuff would get next to you, because we're human, aren't we? That's why I thank God when we just confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And even when we confess our sin to our family, I had to get my wife and kids to go. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. The way dad acted, that ain't the way God acts or thinks toward you and all that. And I apologize and y'all forgive me. I got kicked in the shin, slapped, and <laughs> K-bar came out. And I was like, oh, well, we'll take care of this later. Let the Lord deal with y'all's heart. No. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just ask for forgiveness, admit you're wrong. <laughs> if you understand that even in your mess-ups and your sin, that God still loves you, boy, you'll keep the momentum going. You'll keep running the race. Does that make sense? And <laughs> perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. So two things I'm going to ask for prayer. And I'm so thankful for all of you that have prayed. But one, we're at a very critical juncture in our ministry. In the next 30 to 45 days, we have to decide whether we continue doing high-risk stuff. And it's because, well, our, our special projects, we, we have money in those accounts. Things are going good. But I never asked for funding for our general account which covers everything else, the infrastructure, the cybersecurity. And what we have to do is upscale on everything or else we're going to be compromised. Because there's stuff I can't tell you from here now that would not be good. But let me just say this. We really have an opportunity to go to the darkest places in the world and really disrupt what the enemy is trying to do by being a light and sharing my testimony. And it's crazy. It's so crazy, it just might work. Because <laughs> only God can get the glory from it. Do you understand? Only God. So pray for us for that next 30, 45 days. And then people always say, man, why, why do you... This is a great topic with non-believers especially because they always go, why are you doing this? And even people there, why are you doing, why are you here? We always just say, because God loves us and he gives us love for y'all. So that's why we're here. That's it. N nothing, there's, we, we have no, generally just come here to help show you that God loves you and knows about your suffering. But um, this is the last thing I'll say. We, we visited one spot that I would hope none of you would ever have to. It was a mass grave. And uh, there was a bunch of them. Eileen, she could only take really a couple of minutes, and then she had to get, she was overwhelmed. And it's where bad, bad things happen. But I remember kneeling down and looking at stuff, and uh, I found this. It's a little piece of cloth that was used to tie a kid's hands up behind her back. And then I found the casings laying around the same spot that was used to end their life. Now that's why we do it. Stop evil. What would love do? God wants us to stop evil, stop the manifestation of evil. And he wants us to help those who've been hurt by it. There's never been a greater time in history, in my opinion, for Christians to be a light. 
for Christians to be, I make a difference. I mean, don't you think your life is for more than what maybe you even think it is? When it's bigger than you, then you know God's in it. And some of you, honestly, I love y'all, y'all gonna have to get over your selfishness of thinking this life is just about you. It's not. It's about what Christ did. It's about him taking your life and using in whatever way to be a warrior. And that's what I'm calling out to. Be a warrior, not fearful, not worrying. Because so many people, you spend so much energy worrying about life. Now, I'm not talking about being concerned and reasonable stuff. I'm just talking about just, that's all you do. You waste your energy and time worrying. Instead of really, God's called you to be a warrior. You gals, princess warriors. And being a warrior looks different. It looks different. It don't mean you have to be out there with us. We're specifically called to do that. You don't want to go out there unless you're called. But do you pray? I mean, is God wanting you to use your mind for strategy? Some of you, I know, are funnelers to support the operations. Do you know what I'm talking about? We all got a lane to run in. And all I want to try to do is encourage y'all to, to run in that lane. Know how much God loves you. Be content with that. Don't compare yourself with other people. Be the thumbprint that God made you to be. Man, don't waste your time trying to be something that God had called you to be. And single women, look at me. Quit worrying about your future man. <laughs> Come on. You know the enemy will get you worried and lonesome and, and mess you up. And you'll miss what God has for you that, that day. Right? I mean, if you're like, I just need prayer. Why don't you, maybe God wants you to pray for somebody. I'm all for prayer. Don't get me wrong. But do you know what I'm saying? Trust God with your future. Trust God in that area. Wives, you may be married to a guy like me. You're going to pray a lot. <laughs> hey, it, believe me, you need to pray for your man more than anybody. Don't think the pastor's going to pray for him more than you. Or even his mama. Maybe his mama's like, oh, I'm glad he's gone. Whew. That was a hard 18 years. Pray. And then husbands, love your wives. Humble yourself. Hear from the Lord. Love your kids. Right? There's nothing that I think is more romantic or makes a godly woman go, Ugh. Then her husband, who's in the Word of God, and maybe mowing the lawn with his shirt off sweating. I don't know. I don't. But hey, however that works for y'all, <laughs> enjoy life. Enjoy life. Know that God loves you. Quit being afraid of the devil and darkness and just go for it. You've been listening to The Road. We hope you have been blessed by today's message. To connect with us further, visit theroad.org. If you are walking through a difficult time, we want to pray for you. Go to theroad.org, click on the Ministries tab, and go to our prayer page to send us your prayer request. Thank you for tuning in today, and be sure to listen to the next edition of The Road.